Till my heart starts changing Oh, I'm gonna worship That I mean every word Cause the way I feel And the fear I'm facing Doesn't change who you are Or what you Good morning, everyone. Welcome to First Baptist Church. Wow, we've got a full house today. We are so glad that you are here today with us, whether you're in person or watching online. Um, we are glad to have you. Hey, come on in, grab your seats, fill in, make some room for people on the aisles, and let's worship the Lord together.
not just any power, but omnipotence. Can we give the Lord the glory today? Give him a hand, all right? Amen. We want him to show up today. He is the absolute guest of honor. He's the reason for being in God's house today. And uh, if you have been here a while wondering why we're just not starting, perhaps you didn't turn your clock back one hour. But for the rest of you, we've got it all, you got it all figured out. You're here at the right place at the right time. Those that are watching Facebook or YouTube, welcome to First Baptist Church of Coronado. We're honored that you would watch this service. And thank you all for being here today. Uh, let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer and ask his blessings on all that's said and done this morning. Our Heavenly Father, as we bow once more in this place behind this sacred desk, this pulpit, this place where the word of God is to be preached, Lord, I pray that you would guide and direct every word that comes out of our mouths as we sing about you, as we preach about you, as we talk to people about you. Father, give us truth that would be powerful truth that would scatter the darkness and cause light to shine in the lives of people who otherwise would be hopeless and helpless without you. And that would be all of us. So, Father, I pray your blessings upon this time together. Thank you, Lord, for each member. Thank you for each visitor. Thank you for those that are watching online. And, Father, may you be glorified. Most of all, we pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. say hi to the person next to you, and then go ahead and have a seat. Hi, y'all. How you doing? Somebody else has got you pinned in today. It's not me. How you doing, Phil? Huh? No, someone's got him pinned in. Somebody's parking behind him. I don't know who it is. <laughs> All right. Today we move into the New Testament in our study of the names of God. Uh, we've been on the names of God in the Old Testament for quite a while, so now we're going to go into the New Testament, have an introductory message today. We're also going to be observing Holy Communion, so please, please, please regard the uh, exhortation that uh, Paul gave us to make sure we examine ourselves, examine our own hearts. Make sure there's no bitterness in our hearts. Make sure there's no unconfessed sin in our lives. And then go ahead and commune together around the Lord's table. Now, I know in the past, I've heard people say, well, preacher, I didn't take communion today. And why is that? Because there's something in my life that's not right, and I didn't want to reap any consequences from it. And I said, you missed the whole point. The point is, when we know there's something wrong, to make it right so that God doesn't have to judge us in that area. So I would strongly urge and encourage you uh, to make sure you're right before God. And if you are born again, child of God, and, and your heart's right before him, we, and we want you to participate in communion with us. And then afterwards, the military will have their own communion and breaking of bread out on the patio. They'll have a meal together, active, full-time uh, military. You're invited to that. Check out our bulletin for Bible studies held this week. And if you are a first-time guest here at First Baptist Church, these uh, connection cards are really, they're an encouragement to us. They're a help to us. If you would take one of these from the seat backs in front of you or around you, <clears throat> go ahead and fill that out. Then there's, you can either hand this to us or when you leave later on this morning to the left side of the double doors, there's a place where our members put their tithes and their offerings in. And we would encourage you to put your connection card in there. Place for 
questions, if you have questions about the church or prayer requests, they're back here. Go ahead and uh, take care of that. Tuesday is election day. So we want to make sure you vote. Vote the values of the Word of God. Uh, vote in the way that God would lead you to vote. And uh, don't, take, don't regard parties, don't regard anything else other than the, the positions of the Word of God and what, they, what the positions of the Word of God are on issues that are on, of consequence on the ballots today. And vote for good people. We got, uh, we got at least one of them right here right now today. So, Jerry, good to have you here. Also, at 9 o'clock at Spreckles Park, there will be a prayer gathering to ask God to anoint the whole election process and to make sure that uh, it's taken care of in, in the efficient and effective and honest way. So I hope you'll uh, particip be able to participate in that. And the next Sunday, be preaching on names of Jesus, Adam. You say, Adam's the name of Jesus? The last Adam, but because the other ones are all advocate and almighty and Alpha and Omega. I'm going to do four of them together, try to, if I can get them all done in one service uh, next Sunday morning. And then I want to also encourage you, if you have in mind someone who might possibly serve as a trustee uh, for First Baptist Church, the nomination forms are on the table right by the sound booth, and, and go ahead and take one of those nominations and turn it in today if you possibly can. Make sure they want to serve. Make sure First Timothy 3 uh, 8 through 13 applies as qualifications, kind of a template for qualifications. Uh, and Friday is Veterans Day. How many of you are veterans of the United States of America? Could I have you stand? Could I have you stand right now? Let's do that. It's on Friday. All of you. <clears throat> yeah. God bless you. God bless you guys and gals. I am honored and privileged to be able to pastor a church. We have military, both active and retired, and veterans. And uh, I just thank God for you because of your service. We have the freedoms that we have. And so thank you for serving. Thank you so much for investing your life in uh, this country that God has allowed us to be part of. I got kind of a weird announcement now. We have, we're getting a new refrigerator in the kitchen. Uh, and if you want, if somebody really needs a refrigerator, like in your garage or something, you could, it's a great refrigerator and, and freezer, but the water part, it's just rusted. It can't, we can't stop it from rusting, so you don't want to have the ice maker going. But if somebody needs one for the freezer part and for the refrigerator, let me know. First come, first serve. And then a not-so-weird announcement. On November the 19th at 4 p.m., the uh, Chosen will be showing in Mission Valley and you can get tickets right out at the table uh, right r after the service. And, uh, and it helps to fund the programming so they keep it, uh, keep it on live streaming and so on. So if you're interested in that, 4 p.m., November the 19th, uh, the tickets are $18. Go ahead and check uh, at the table on the way out, and uh, they will take care of you there. So let's go ahead and stand once again as we worship the Lord together.
grateful for that name and pray that, Lord, everyone here might know not only the name, but might know the power of your salvation through that name. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you, and may be seated. Turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. While you're turning there, boys and girls, come on up to the front. Philippians chapter 2, boys and girls to the front. And I got a message that we served uh, Monday night, uh, Live Love Foundation served about 900 and some hot dogs and unknown numbers of Gospels of John and Romans and several Bibles, both in English and Spanish, and about a ton of candy. So uh, thank all of you who helped out with the Live Love uh, outreach this last Monday night. We're, we're glad to be able to host that here. All right, boys and girls, got a question for you. How many of you have a first name? Everybody, what's your first name? Edward, what's your first name? You, you don't know? I know your mom and daddy, so I understand totally. What's your first name? Yeah? Oh, okay. What about William? What's your first name? I gave you a hint. William, all right. Guess what my first name is? Pastor Jim. Pastor Jim. And that's short for my real name. You know what my real name is, Ellie? My real name is Jimmy. That will not leave this room. Jimmy, J-I-M-M-I-E. You know what that comes from? It comes from James. You know what that comes from? It comes from Jacob. You know what that means? A deceiver. So much for my minute message today. Do you know there's a woman in Texas? I checked this out online. Do you know there's a woman in Texas whose name is over 1,000 letters long? Over 1,000 letters. Check it out uh, when you get home on your internet. Her birth certificate had to be modified. It's over two feet long to accommodate her name with 1,000 letters. Can you? I feel sorry for that when she was a little girl going to kindergarten trying to learn how to spell her name. I'll tell you what. I feel sorry for her now. I'm sure she abbreviates it. How many of you have a last name also? You have a last name? What's your last name? Huh. Yeah. Okay. What's your last name? Hope. Wow, that's a cool last name. What's your last name? Okay. All right. And my last name is Bays, and I'm not even going to tell you what that means. But um, uh, here's a harder question. Here's a harder question. How many know Jesus' last name? Well, that's who he was. That's his first name. What's his last name? It's a trick question. You sure you want to answer it? It's a trick question. What's his last name? Huh? Christ? That's what a lot of people think. But it's not really. It's, that means the Messiah. So it means Jesus, the Messiah. He didn't have a formal last name like we do. He was probably called Jesus, son of Joseph, even though Joseph wasn't his real dad, God was his real dad, and Mary was his real mom, and they had a baby, and his name was Jesus, and they called him Jesus, and he came uh, from Bethlehem, of course. So Christ means Messiah or Savior. My question to you, one more question. Everybody look up here just for a minute. Everybody look up here just for a minute, Ellie. Everybody look up here just for a minute. Jesus wants to be 
every one of your Savior. He wants to be your God and your Savior and your King of Kings. So make sure you always love Jesus, okay? I know. All right, that's cool. You do? You said it's going to be okay? All right, let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for these boys and girls. We thank you, Lord, that they're in God's house. Thank you for parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles who bring them to God's house, showing them how important it is to know you and to worship you. May they know Jesus Christ, not just his name. May they know him. We pray in his name. Amen. All right. God bless you. Go ahead and go to your classes. And middle school is meeting on the patio. I forgot to mention that a little earlier. Middle school students, go ahead and meet on the patio. Bye-bye, buddy. See you later. All right. Names of Christ, the introduction. For whatever reason, uh, whatever reason God has, it's up to him entirely. He has determined the New Testament does not have as many varieties of names for God as does the Old Testament. By the way, we've been, most of 2022 has been studying the names of God in the Old Testament. We haven't even come close to exhausting those names. I mean, we could probably preach for a couple of years, and I haven't added it up, but probably at least a couple of years on the names of God in the Old Testament. But there are not as many in the New Testament. There are two names or titles that are used in the uh, New Testament a lot, and that would be God and Lord. The name God is used, or the title God is used, more than 1,000 times in the 27 books of the New Testament, all the way Matthew through Revelation, 1,000 times. It's the equivalent of the Old Testament name Elohim. You remember Elohim? That was one of the first ones we studied, the, uh, the all-powerful God. It was in the beginning, Elohim spoke into existence the heavens and the earth. He's the one they sang about a moment ago who scattered the night and brought forth light. Uh, he's the one who by the power of his word created the heavens and everything that's in the heavens, all the animal life, all the plant life, and as his crowning creation, uh, human life as well. So it's Elohim, the equivalent would be God in the New Testament. In the New Testament, the Greek word for it is not Elohim, that's Hebrew, but it is, uh, it is what? It is theos, theos. So we get the word theology. Oh, it's up there? Okay, good. Yeah. All right, uh, so it's theos, and, and we get the word theology from it, or theologian, uh, and so it, it talks about God in New Testament. Now, the word, uh, the title Lord, L-O-R-D, corresponds to the Old Testament uh, Jehovah and Adonai. Jehovah, uh, the covenant name of God, Adonai, the owner of everything, the absolute owner of all, and the Greek word for that in the New Testament is kurios. And I kept having a lot of trouble making this slide because every time I'd put kurios in there, my spell checker would make it curious. And I, I, I had to have a word with my computer or, or a word or two. Uh, so, uh, and kurios is used over 600 times in the New Testament. So 1,600 times between the word, uh, the title God and the title Lord, it's used in the New Testament. Now, interesting thing here. For those uh, of your friends who maybe don't believe the Holy Spirit is a real person, interesting thing is uh, that the, the, the word kurios is used interchangeably in the New Testament for the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So that kurios, Lord, is used for all three of them. The Christ was and is 
Jehovah. The song is correct when it says, veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. We'll be singing that and hearing that in the next month or so. so the, but the dominant name, now these are titles, God and Lord are titles. The dominant name in the New Testament for our Lord and Savior is what? Not a trick question. Jesus, that's right, it's Jesus. And so uh, in Philippians chapter two, uh, you, you, you might've thought I was gonna start in Matthew or Luke or one or the other, but in, let's start in, in Philippians chapter two, verse nine, wherefore, God has highly, also highly exalted him, that is Christ, and given him a name which is above every name. That's profound to me. This is the most important name. Jehovah had this inspired and recorded that the most important name of any and of all is Jesus. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ, or Jesus the Messiah, is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And there's that word uh, to the, the Lord, Kyrios, and also God, Theos, right there, all of them bunched together in that one verse. Now, in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, neither is there, this is, this is what makes a lot of people uneasy with Christianity, with real biblical Christianity. Acts 4.12, neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Folks, I didn't write the Bible. You didn't write the Bible. The Holy Spirit of God had individuals using their vocabulary, their temperaments, their personalities, had them supernaturally inspired uh, and God breathed to write exactly what he wanted written. And he said, there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we can be saved. So that's a very exclusive thing. Many years ago, uh, I was going around to uh, in some political circles and addressing groups in different places. And uh, I went to a uh, a Jewish gathering. And, and by the way, I think if anybody ought to be friends with the Jews, it ought to be uh, born-again children of God because we recognize they're God's chosen people. And even though they're in unbelief as a nation right now, they, we still should not touch the Lord's anointed. And, and God especially separated them out. God has done something with Israel that's never happened in the history of mankind. And that is a kingdom that was dead for uh, a couple of thousand years has come back, and Israel is once again uh, a nation. That's an incredible thing that he's done. And, and it's not finished yet because God's going to bring them back in great numbers and is going to have a nation saved us in a day. So we ought to be friends uh, with the Jewish people. But I was in this gathering of Jewish people, political types, and, uh, and they, they kept hammering me with, do you believe Jesus is the only way to God? Do you believe that if I don't believe in Jesus, I'm going to die? And I said, I believe he's the only way. And I believe, and, and I was running for office at that point. So, the, the, you know, that was not they, what they wanted to hear. But they started kind of haranguing me. And one of them said, look, you asked him what he believed. That's what he believes. Now let it go. <laughs> And I want my Jewish friends to be in heaven. I want my Arab friends to be in heaven. I want my, uh, I mean, every nationality, I want people to be there. And, and the, the thing is, though, there's only one way there. And it's not through anyone but Jesus the Christ, the Savior, the Son of Almighty God. So it's exclusive. I didn't make it that way. 
God made it that way. And if there was another way, Jesus would not have had to die. What a waste of the Son of God if, in fact, there was another way, if, in fact, there was another name, if, in fact, we could earn it, deserve it somehow, purchase it. What a waste it would have been for Jesus to shed his blood. But it's exclusive, not in denomination. Well, I'm Baptist. I'm Baptist with a capital B, born-again Baptist. (laughs) Well, when you get to heaven, you may be a shocked Baptist because there may be some other people up there who weren't Baptist, who were born again. And I'm certain that'll happen. They're saved in every nation, every tribe. So I'm, I'm certain that will happen. But it's not in denomination. It's in the person of our salvation. And that alone is, is repulsive and offensive to many people. Hence, Jerry, when you take a stand on biblical principles and running for school board, um, or whatever it is you might be doing in life at, at work, and you take a stand uh, the, the people direct their venom and their anger and their hatred of God and his son and his salvation to you without even, I don't think most of them realize what they're doing. I think they're thinking they're, this, she's just messed up or he's just messed up uh, in, in their thought life and the way they think about things but, or their philosophy of life. But I believe they're being used as tools by Satan to try to, to do away with the truth try to veil the truth. Satan is a father of lies, isn't he? And uh, he was from the beginning. So uh, at any rate, uh, it is offensive, but guess what? It's the only way of salvation too. And you plant the seed. The word of God shall not return void. You give them the word of God and let God's Holy Spirit convict them of that truth on down the road. The Jehovah of the Old Testament reveals himself as Jesus in the New Testament. So I love this little saying up here, the new is in the old contained, the old is by the new explained. So the Jewish friends that we have have part of the Bible. They don't have the whole Bible. They've got part of, they've got the old covenant. We've got a new covenant now based upon the finished work of Christ on the cross of Calvary. That new covenant was not given until Jesus died, until he became the sacrifice, until he became the fulfillment of all of the old. So the new is in the old contained. The old is by the new explained. So having said that, let's look to the name of Jesus. There's something about that name. In Luke 1, 26, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, Elizabeth was a cousin to Mary. Elizabeth was um, of a certain age where she was not expected to be able to bear children any longer, Uh, but God promised that she would bear a child, so it was a miraculous uh, conception, a miraculous birth eventually. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. So when Elizabeth was six months pregnant, um, and I don't, don't ask me how many weeks that is. You all talk about weeks now. I can't, that blows my mind. I don't know about weeks, but I, I just know nine months, right? Yeah. Except for our first one was like 10, something like that. But, but the, uh, and I want you to know labor was really hard on me. It really was difficult, <laughs> but I persevered. So uh, the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, I will pay for that remark. Um, 
Gabriel went to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. Notice the virgin named Mary, not just a young woman. If you have a translation that says a young woman, you need to get a different translation because it was a virgin uh, named Mary, and she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph. Betrothed is the word in, um, in the King James, and betrothed is an idea that's even stronger, really, than engagement. It's, it's almost like you're married, but you're not living together yet. Uh, the, the, they're preparing to be husband and wife at some point. So Joseph was a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Well, she was confused, the Bible says, and she was disturbed. And Mary tried to think what in the world the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God, and you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. So we had a miraculous birth in that a woman named Elizabeth, who was expected not to be able to to conceive, did so, and that was uh, perhaps miraculous, perhaps it was just a biological fluke that happened, and, but whatever God had a part in it, whatever it was. Uh, but now you have a, a truly miraculous birth without any question because you have a virgin who'd never known a man in the sense of a physical relationship, and, and she, she's told that you're going to conceive and, ha- and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus, and he will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High, which is a title of God. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Okay, so we have perhaps a teenage young lady, virgin, who all of a sudden is going to be, is told she's going to have a baby. How's that going to happen? And she's going to, he's going to be the king forever and ever and ever. I mean, talk about a, a weighty thing. Talk about a heavy revelation here. I mean, we, we kind of, I don't want to just gloss over this, like, oh, yeah, Mary conceived. She had a baby. It's great. Everything went. I mean, try to, ladies, imagine yourself in that position, and any number of questions would pop up, no doubt, and concerns as well. So, meanwhile, in Matthew chapter 1, after the angel had appeared to Mary, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, this is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, and again, betrothed, and before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man. He didn't want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break their engagement quietly. Now, let me tell you what the ramification of this is. The penalty under the law for unfaithfulness, for adultery, was what? Stoning to death stoning to death. Joseph, being a righteous man, Joseph, no doubt, loving Mary, having concern for her, uh, instead of being bitter toward her and wanting some kind of retribution, tried to figure out, how can I, how can I end this betrothal without it being a problem and just be not, not let the whole world know about it? <laughs> the whole, surprisingly enough, the whole world did know about it because of a angel who spread it out to everybody. So as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Not sure if this is Gabriel or another angel, probably Gabriel, but I don't know. Uh, and, and so he appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Wait a minute. Now, 
Perhaps they mistranslated that. Maybe that should be for the blob of cells within her. The, the non-viable uh, life form within her. Uh, it says child in this translation. It says baby in some It doesn't, hey, you know what? When you find out you're going to have a, we never went around saying, we're going to have an embryo. I, or maybe a zygote. Or, or, or we're going to have a blob of cells. He's going to look like his daddy. Yeah. Uh, when you find out you're expecting, you say, we're going to have a baby. It may not be viable yet outside the womb. It doesn't matter. It is a human being. Don't believe these vicious lies. I, can, I cannot understand the clamor that's out there for wanting the right to destroy their children. I, I, I mean, I do understand again. It's, uh, I mean, I understand a little bit about it, but um, it's not a blob of cells. It's not an embryo. It was a child. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. So, an angel named Gabriel goes to Joseph, said, don't be afraid to take her as your, as your wife. An angel, maybe the same one, maybe a different one, goes to Mary, says, you're going to conceive, you're going to have a child. Uh, and so they realize then that God is in this, and God is doing something supernatural, and God is doing something he's never, ever done before. And, and in both cases, said, you will name him Jesus. So the name was given to Mary and Joseph, uh, and, and again, it's called the name which is above every name in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 9. In a very real sense, Jesus is his only name. In a very real sense. Because Christ, again, means the anointed one. So it's a descriptive title. Uh, Lord God is descriptive title. But Jesus is his only name. And I, and I may be wrong on this as I was telling the kids. I hope I'm not. I don't think there was a last name. I think he was referred to in that day by people who did not know the circumstances of his birth. That's Jesus, the carpenter's son. They would often say Jesus, the uh, or, or a name, Nathaniel, the whatever, you know, identified by whatever employment they had, whatever his father, whoever his father's name was, Ben-Hur was son of Hur. The Ben part in the Old Testament is is indicative of the son of whoever it is that's having the child. So Jesus was both human and divine, having a human mom, a heavenly father, and the meaning of this name, Jesus, is, is amazing. The J-E or J-A, it's short for J-A-H, actually, J-E-J-A-H, is short for what? Jehovah, for Jehovah, the name of God. It identifies Jesus as the one with divine authority, uh, part of the eternal Godhead, full of power and condescending love. And in this sense, condescending is a good term. I'm, it's not condescending like, you know, speaking down to, to someone. It's, it's, it's the idea that this love of God uh, and this person of God, uh, it was so amazing. And he came down and humbled himself to become obedient uh, to the Father, even to the point of death on the cross of Calvary. So he is the deity of covenant relationship, this J or Ja, and then the sus, S-U-S, is derivative from, uh, and according to the linguists and the theologians, from Oshea, O-S-H-E-A, or Hosea, 
uh, a book of the New Testament, I mean the Old Testament is named Hosea, or Hushaya, but they all mean the same thing. They mean help. This became the name of one of the good spies in Exodus, one of the spies who came back with a good report, right? Joshua. Joshua, who would take over from Moses, the incredible leader, Moses. Moses, kind of a type of the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, the law. Joshua, a type of the new, the deliverer, who would take them into a new land. And so in that sense, a type of Moses and Joshua. Together, J. Sus, Jehovah, Jesus, means Jehovah's our Savior or deliverer or the help of Jehovah. So Jesus is the Greek form of Joshua, and it's a contraction of the name Jehoshua, uh, and both Joshua and Jeshua, the high priest in Zechariah's day with types of the Christ in the Old Testament. So that's probably too much, too many J's and S's and H's and all. Eusebius, the church father of the third century, said the name Jesus means the salvation of God. That's what you need to know right there. The name Jesus means the salvation of God. The matchless name. There is no other name like the name of Jesus. The name Jesus expresses the relation of Jehovah to the Son. He became obedient, as we mentioned, even to the point of death and being found in fashion, an external form, in, in appearance, as a man, anthropos, not male, uh, though he was male, but as a man, anthropos, generic mankind, differentiated from animals, by the way. When God created animal life, and some say he, they, they evolved into human life, uh, they're, they're wrong. It's a whole different classification. The anthropos was in, made in the image of God, and the animals were not made in the image of God. Whole different classification. But being found fashioned as a man, he humbled himself, lowered himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And therein something impossible took place. Because eternal God who cannot die, died. You say, that's nonsense. You can't, that doesn't make any, that, that sentence uh, refutes itself. It doesn't make any sense. No, it, it shows that God can do anything. The impossible he can do. All things are possible with God. So God who could not die, did die in the person of the Son. And so the name Jesus it's a matchless name. No one else like him ever. The name Jesus also was used to signify his teaching or his body of truth, his, his revealed truth. Paul says in 2 Corinthians eleven four, you happily put up with whatever anyone tells you, even if they preach a different Jesus. Not talking about literally another guy who showed up whose name was Jesus, but talking about someone who portrays himself as a savior or portrays himself as having a body of truth that had nothing to do with the body of truth that Jesus brought to this world. A different Jesus than the one we preach or a different kind of spirit than the one you received or a different kind of gospel than the one you believed. And by the way, this is a rebuke of the church of Corinth because you listen to whatever, you listen to what they say, you, you, you give credence to what they say and, and it's a whole different theology, system of theology. It's a whole different uh, God system with them than what Jesus gave us. Also in Galatians 1, 6, I marvel that you're so soon removed from him that calls you under the grace of Christ. So there's that uh, reference again to this doctrinal, uh, this doctrinal system that came through Jesus Christ. And I think it's interesting because there is a major denomination who relies upon uh, an angel who supposedly revealed truth to uh, the founder of their religion. He says, though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be 
accursed. So even if an angel, I mean a supernatural being from heaven, if, if they would come down and preach a different truth than what, the word of, than what Jesus taught and preached, uh, don't listen to them. Let, be, let them be accursed. The name Jesus is a powerful name. It's powerful in healing. Bo, you're going to have surgery this week and get that knee taken care of. And what a miraculous thing that doctors can uh, orthoscopically now go in and look at the knee and be able to figure out what needs to happen and clean it all out and, and just have three little dents on your kneecap now where they do. What an amazing thing. What an amazing thing that God uh, has allowed people to be able to transplant hearts and transplant lungs and transplant livers and kidneys. And what an amazing, amazing thing that God has given that kind of ability. But I'm going to tell you something even more amazing than that, and that it, God is the author of all healing. Because if a surgeon went into that knee and did whatever he could do, the knitting together of it again, the healing of it again, is because God made Bo to where that works that way. And if it weren't for that, you could cut someone open, you could put a heart in their chest, it wouldn't do any good. If it wouldn't knit back together into the system, if it wouldn't uh, work, and, and then giving the knowledge to have anti-rejection type drugs given so that it doesn't reject this other organ. I mean, all of that's because God is the one who, and by the way, God is the one who ultimately heals. Bill, you're having little problems with the eyesight. One of these days, you're going to be like 2015 for eternity. It's going to be able to see forever and ever and ever. I, I remember I told you this already, but I remember somebody said one time, oh, to Tim Lee, the evangelist Tim Lee, who's been here uh, in a wheelchair, lost both his legs in Vietnam uh, back in the 60s. And so he was preaching somewhere. And you know how people kind of are awkward sometimes, don't know exactly what to say. You see someone in a wheelchair, no legs. And, and the person came up to him and said, well, well, Tim, at least in heaven, you'll have a solid gold wheelchair. He said, what are you, out of your mind? Are you crazy? He said, my legs just got there before I did. I'm going to have my legs back again one of these days. In healing, Acts 4.10, be it known unto you all and, by the people, and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, that's kind of bold, the name of Jesus of Nazareth, who you crucified, pointed his finger at him, God Raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand here before you whole. So the, the healing that took place was because of the powerful name of Jesus. Paul had no power apart from that. The apostles had no power apart from that. It was Jesus is a powerful name in healing. He's a powerful name in praying. John 16, 23, Jesus speaking, in that day you shall ask me nothing. And verily, verily, I say unto you that whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. And, and there's two different words used here, translated ask in English in both times, but there's two different words here. The first one means to inquire, to ask a question. And Jesus asked, was asked a lot of questions. People asked him all kinds of things. Some of the things he was asked was, was just bizarre. Some of the things were very deep questions. Uh, but he said, you're not going to be able to ask me this question because I won't be here. But whatever you ask, and this means request, requesting something in my name, he will give it you. So the Father will be the one that you'll direct these requests to when I am gone and I'm no longer present with you in praying. 
That's why uh, I pray in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Son of God, in that name, in that powerful name, because uh, that's where the power resides. It's not in my articulating any prayer. It's not in your wording a prayer. It's in Christ. In daily walk, Colossians 3.17, whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Hey, you, you, you got a job you don't like? You work at a job you hate? You can't stand it? You want to get some new meaning to life? Live that job, work that job as if Jesus Christ was your boss because he is. That can make the most menial tasks and the most undesirable tasks really good by realizing you're working. Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God in the power and the authority, the finished work of Christ. In this conversation, in Acts chapter 9, verse 5, who are you, Lord? Paul said when he was knocked to the ground by the bright light and scales were over his eyes, he, he said, who are you, Lord? And Jesus said, I am Jesus, the one whom you are persecuting. You want to you have a good conversation? Talk to the Lord. Talk to God. You have trouble sleeping at night? You wake up at 4.15? I do. I talk to God. I tried talking to Pat, but she didn't want me waking her up. At <laughs> Actually, that's not true. She said, wake her up anytime I want to, but, but I'm still afraid of her, so I don't. So, but I'm not afraid of God, so I'm able to talk to him, and it, it, it's so helpful, so comforting to be able to talk in conversation. He's powerful in baptism. Acts 19.5, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Uh, in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's why you need to get, that's why you need to follow the Lord's in baptism. If you say, well, I was sprinkled when I was a baby. You just got, you know, drizzled on. You need to be immersed. You need, you need to be completely under a symbol of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. God said that. Jesus said, be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The authority there is, is in them, and Jesus is the one. So make sure you follow him in baptism. In future joy, Philippians 2, 10, and 11, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. This, this is going to, every knee shall bow. Adolf Hitler will bow his knee. Joseph Stalin will bow his knee. Um, Ho Chi Minh will bow his knee. Every ungodly American will bow their knee. Idi Amin will bow the knee. Everybody will bow their name to the King of kings and to the Lord of lords. And they'll confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Well, let me hurry through. The mention of that name in Matthew, 170 times. In Mark, 100 times. In Luke, 100 times. In John, about 250 times. Not so much in the book of Acts, for whatever reason God had. About 30 times in the epistles. But the title Christ, the anointed and glorified one, found over 200 times. So his name expressed the who and the what he was to early disciples. He was preeminent in their hearts and minds, and he should be in ours. I learned a new week, a word about two weeks ago. Uh, and you've probably heard it, but I just, I, I, I don't know, first time I heard it and kind of stuck with top of mind. How many have heard that term, top of mind? Okay, it's kind of a trending word. You know, language changes about every 24 hours around here. You know that, right? So I'm, I'm talking to my kids sometimes, and I'll, use, I'll talk about something. I'll say, Dad, you can't say that anymore. I say, why? <laughs> Watch me. And I say it again. But 
it's not, so things change. So top of mind, uh, that means that Christ should be the priority, the first thing we think about. And in all things, whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God, you need to be thinking about how Christ would have me to operate this, how God would have me to be in this particular situation. Then number four, the sweetness of that name. The name of Jesus is sweet to the believer's ears. I'm almost through. Hang in there. Another couple of minutes. Sweetest sound in seraph's song, sweetest note on mortal tongue, sweetest anthem ever sung, the name of Jesus. There's something about that name. Missionary Henry Frost said, there is a name, a wondrous name of infinite and endless fame, of God beloved by saint revered, by angels and archangels feared, ordained by God ere the world began, revealed by angels unto man, proclaimed by men, believed, adored, by hearts in prayer and praise outpoured. The theme of prophet, priest, and king, the word of which sweet psalmists sing, by pilgrims blessed, by surfers sung, sufferers sung, the last word breathed by martyrs' tongue, the name most precious and sublime, supreme, supreme in space, supreme in time, destined to live and conquer all till all knees everywhere shall fall, and tongues confess what God proclaims, the name to be the name of all names, the name by which in hev high heaven will be, the one name of eternity, then O soul, it's praise foretell, Jesus, the name ineffable, the name of Christ, our Savior. Compounds of the name, Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus of Naz the Nazarene, and Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. And you can see the references in your outline. I've gone a little bit longer. But by the way, uh, the Nazarene has nothing to do with the Nazarite vow. That's a whole different thing. Sometimes people get those confused. Numbers chapter 6. But Jesus of Nazareth, born of a town that was not even mentioned in the Old Testament. And that's why, that's why, um, who was it who said, Nathaniel said, can any good thing come from Nazareth? There was no promise of anybody from Nazareth. And yet there he was, the promised one, uh, born, uh, reared for a while in Nazareth. Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. The Jews didn't like that that Pilate put that title up there, King of the Jews. But he is the King of the Jews, and he's the King of the Gentiles, and he's everyone's King. King of my life, I crown thee now. Thine shall the glory be, lest I forget thy thorn-crowned brow. Lead me to Calvary. There's no name like the name of Christ, our Lord and Savior. His name is Jesus. Would you bow your heads? Is he your Lord? Is he your Christ? Is he your Redeemer? Is he your Savior? He loves you. He gave his life, shed his blood for you to pay the price for every sin that we've ever committed. Would you trust him with your eternal, never-dying soul right now? Our Father in heaven, as we bow our heads together before you, just before we come to the Lord's table, God, we want to say thank you for loving us and seeking us out when we didn't even want to be found. Without your Holy Spirit, without the work of Christ, without your love for us, Father, we, we would still be lost and on our way to hell or already in hell for eternity. But God, you loved us so much. You gave your son. I can't imagine giving my son 
to save anybody. But you gave your son for people who would love him and serve him eventually, but people also who reject him until they die and go to a Christless grave. You love us all. So, Father, if there's someone in this auditorium or someone watching by way of the Internet, and if they would like to receive your son as their personal Savior, may they right now, with their head bowed, pray something like this. Dear God, I, I believe that I'm a sinner. I know I'm a sinner. And I know I'm going to die one day. I don't like to think about it, don't like to talk about it, but I know I will one day. And when that time comes, I want to make sure I'm ready and my sins are all atoned for. So, Lord, please forgive me of my sins, all of them. Forgive me even of my sin nature. Wash me clear and clean. God, I trust Jesus as my personal Savior right now. With every head bowed, if you just prayed that prayer or something like it, you meant it. With every head bowed, would you lift your hand up and hold it up for just a moment? I won't embarrass you. God bless you and you and you. Yes, thank you. Put your hands down. Other others? Anyone else besides these? Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for giving us everlasting life by putting our faith in you. Lord, thank you for the verse that says, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that we can know that we have eternal life because of what he did for us. Bless, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to remain seated for just a moment. And I'm going to ask that those who are going to help with communion prepare to do so right now. If you just prayed that prayer, on the back table, there's some blue plastic bags with materials inside, and I want you to go ahead and take those, pick them up. If you didn't get the elements when you came in, you would like them, raise your hand right now, hold it up, and they'll find where you are as quickly as they can. But if you prayed that prayer, if you have any concerns about whether you you are a born-again child of God, pick up one of those bags on that table and uh, take it with you. And if you have any questions, please let us know. The Bible says, as they were eating the Passover meal together, all the elements of the Passover table before them, that Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to his disciples. I'd like for us to take the bread, which is unleavened, speaking of the sinless body of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for giving your Son. Jesus, thank you for giving yourself for my sins, for our sins. In Jesus' name, amen. Take eat, he said, this is my body.
taken the cup and had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the New Testament, the new and the better covenant, which ratifies the agreement and is being poured out for many as a substitutionary atonement for the forgiveness of sins. But I say unto you, I will not eat or drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So he took the cup, which became a symbol of his shed blood, blood that poured from the thorns pressed on his scalp, the blood that flowed from his hands and feet that were nailed, the blood that came from his back that was beaten with the cat of nine tails, the blood that poured out mixed with water when the spear was thrust into his side and burst his heart. He literally died of a broken heart for us, his blood. Father, we're thankful for the blood of Christ that cleanses us from all unrighteousness, that which we could never do, he did for us. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. He said, all of you drink. And then the Bible says they went out to the Mount of Olives, and so as we're dismissed, we're going to sing a chorus that we sing around here called, Thank You, Lord, for Saving My Soul. Stand up, and as much as you possibly can, and as comfortable as you are, join hands with those around you as a symbol of our unity as we sing this chorus together. as he has, I'm sure. Have a great Lord's Day.